This is from Master P E E. That's P E E. Master P. Not sure what that means. All right. It's all good. So, what's up, DGC? I'm at the point where I'm ready to finally get going and only need to get some soil to get started. I have two four by four tents. All right. At some point, he's well. He's got a Can 66, which is a carbon filter that stands about three feet tall or so. Yeah, what it's is that? Is, is 66 pounds of carbon inside there? Is that how they measure those things? It is. It's double the size of a Can 33. Okay, I, I know. Um, he's got a Max Pro six-inch fan. Fabulous. Um, he goes. What's his magic combo for exhausting both tents into the filter that would be sitting on the floor between the tents? Okay, hold on. He goes, being a noob, I did not take into consideration how we'll be able to supply CO2. And obviously with this setup, I don't think it's possible to do it properly, or at least I'm unaware of how to pull it off. Side note, since I it hadn't been needed for a grow yet, I've been using it to scrub the air in my basement to clean up any smoke and smell and has been doing a great job. Yeah, definitely. Can 66 just to handle what you're token on? Oh, yeah. Kill it. All right, so please help GGC. Let me know the best way to get this done right before I screw up again. Oh, come on, man. Don't be so harsh. Um, if I leave the Can 66 where it is, then it should technically clean up any odors either from my medicating or from the tent, correct? Yes. If so, what would be the best way to take advantage of CO2 and still give the tents air exchange? It's, it's hard, man. You're exhausting. It sounds like so. It's, it's an, he has the can filter set up just out in his basement, let's say, and there's a tent on either side of it, right? Right. So it's just scrubbing. He didn't mention anywhere he was exhausted. Oh, wait. Magic combo exhausting both tents into the filter. So he's... Yeah, but he's exhaust, not, as soon as you exhaust both those tents into the filter, that, that's fine. And it's great for airflow. But the, you eliminate the possibility of really doing CO2 in that room. Unless you're going to just add CO2 and just fill the entire basement with CO2. Which is, depending on how big your basement is, might be a strategy. It could be. I mean, you're right. Like if you could get your hands on like, you know, you got the natural gas unit and your basement isn't that big. It's just, you know, or the area you're in and you have tents in that room. No harm on you pets or anything else if you just raised your CO2 right up to 800 or whatever, a thousand or something. Yeah, I really wouldn't think so. And you probably could get a decent sized burner for five or six hundred bucks, hook it up to the natural gas uh, a line and really not have to worry about it. And probably be a little source of heat for the for the room if it's a, you know, a basement somewhere where are they at again. Is it some, somewhere up north or somewhere where it gets cold? Doesn't say. You know, if it's like a basement or somewhere where it gets cold, you could handle that extra few degrees, I would think. At least some part of the year you could. And those burnos also, if you don't want to screw with the natural gas, no worries. You can hook up. You can do the propane. Make sure you're getting propane-style burner. Um, and just do the 20-pound tanks like you're going to the hardware store for your grill. Um, not a horrible idea. You're still tied to having to switch out the tanks, et cetera. But – Man, if you can get that natural gas hookup, though, I mean, once you do, you, there's just no guilt in it, man. I mean, I don't say no guilt. I mean, you aren't causing global warming or whatever, but, you know, you can uh, you, you can just crank that thing out to 1,500 parts per million or whatever you want to be, and, and you don't have to worry about, oh, man, that was just $20 worth of, worth of fuel I just used. I got to go back to the, you know, the hardware store and swap out propane tanks. But uh, that being said, I always do encourage people to get, a, you know, a meter. Basement, sometimes CO2 is heavier than air. This is just how I think. I'm not sure if it's right. You know, if you let's depending on how many people live in the house, dogs, cats, we all breathe, create CO2, um, as well as pilot lights on furnaces. It, it seems like basements, you know, usually contain a higher level PPM um, than other parts of the house. Because they have so, shitty ventilation. <clears throat> what? Because they have shitty ventilation? I would imagine so. If it had decent ventilation, then it would be equalized. 
yeah true check it out though know what your levels are at and uh don't forget co2 is not a necessity man it depends on how your grow is set up but if you're doing air exchange you can pull off a nice cannabis grow without having to pump co2 in there um so try that you know it's always good just to try your baseline see i'm not going to have any of this grow and uh, see how you do and that being said co2 and lights have to match you can't just pump up a whole bunch of co2 without a lot of light so looks like you got two 600 watt lights there. I was vented with doing great for four by fours, right? Yeah, you should be all right. But what I mean is, and Guru pop in here with with the PPFD. But I remember they were just talking about that on that, that on a Tad's podcast about just I want to say if you know there's a certain amount of light. I think it was I think they were saying at 800 PPF or PPFD over your space right. if you're not using co2 that that's that's your limiting factor it's going to be your light if you thank do you. it's thank over you. i've seen to I, I would put it more at like 900 to a thousand people uh 900 so meaning 900 ppfd if, if, if you don't have more than 900 ppf don't bother with CO2. ppfd don't bother with co2 you're you're not even maxing out your light. how are you measuring that uh, you would just have to know the bulbs you're using so or, how, or what, or the efficiency of the light you're using. So how can he figure that out? Meaning with a 600 over a four by four, 600. Uh, he's good to go. Craig uh, yeah, probably good to go. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not sure. It, it would depend on the bulb he's using. It could be a lot of, it could be a lot. So of if you things. just Google what's the PPFD of a 600 watt over a, a 600 watt HPS, someone on the forums has probably Got run it. that math. I can't do that in my head. Got right it. Now. Okay, cool. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, we always hear about PPFD and whatnot, and it's interesting. I kind of understand the number, but I don't understand how to get to the number. B- actually, no. A 600 watt HPS over a four x four probably isn't enough. Because think about it, a 600 watt LED is perfect for a four x four, or a thousand watt is perfect for a four x four to a five by f- or to a five by five. Right. So I think a 600 is you're definitely cutting yourself short over a four x four there. Yeah, a thousand watt over a four x four is a lot of light. Man. Yeah. That's when you should add in some CO2 or a 600 over a three by three. Interesting. We'll be back on it, man. This is as best as we could do with our math skills right now, sir. PPFD. All right. So <laughs> I agree with you, though. I agree with you. You're right with those footprints there. Four by four is a thousand. I always Dude, picture you- the 600 and a four by four tent. So at least you can peek your head in. But a lot of the new tents, you can open up all sides and you have good access. Now I just have to get a soundboard just to play that PPFD. Okay. We're going to take it over to uh, how would you guys set up my space? And this is from John Robb. And yeah, let's say, hey, fellas, I love what you guys got going on. Thanks for sharing the love. Right on, dude. Right on. Because I'm in my third run and still figuring stuff out. Kind of struggling right now. But my first fun or run and fun, we could call it the fun run, was awesome. <laughs> he had a four by eight tank, four gorilla glues. Um, that are so wait for GGs. Yeah, grill glue numbers fours that are so ready to go into flowering. But it gave but them it a gave bit of a, a burn. Good, good. <laughs> yes. This is like a story, man. I mean, dude, I could. I want to cry, man. It's like an opera right cool. here. But I gave them a bit of a burn. I hope they don't stretch out too much in my tent. I flushed them last night, and they look a bit better today. Oh man, this is like a soap opera right here. I have a couple questions. How should I adjust my fox farm feeding schedule? Uh, he's got big, big bloom, tiger bloom, open sesame, beastie bloom, and cha-ching uh, when using recharge. Um, I think that's how I burnt them. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's actually a very, uh, very good point, man. We should get into that. And two, how would, you, how would I set up my garage with what I've got? I would like 
a bloom tent and a veg tent. Hell yeah. Okay, you tell them about how he burned them and use recharge, and I'll tell them how to set up the garage deal, real quick. Deal. Recharge is really efficient at using nutrients. Instead of the nutrient leaching out, nutri- uh, salt-based nutrients or synthetic nutrients like the Fox Farm is meant to uh, some be absorbed and most of it uh, be leached out through the you know the holes in the bottom of the bucket. Uh, that, that's why you always feed a little, little bit of extra water. Um, with recharge, it's it's really it makes your soil kind of uh, the nutrients kind of stick in your soil, for lack of a better uh, a be- better way of explaining it. So by uh, using recharge, you're going to have more efficient use of the nutrients. So you should be dialing them down. I'd say like twenty five percent, you know, so three quarters strength is what I would use, and you should get very similar results because the same amount of nutrient is going to be delivered to the plant, or maybe even more nutrient will be delivered to the plant, and less is falling out the drain holes. So that's that's the beauty of using uh, uh, increasing soil organic matter and using recharge and bacteria and fungi uh, with with synthetic nutrients as a, as a hybrid system. You still there, dude? Did you fall asleep? Yeah, I was just about to ask the same thing. I was listening to you. <laughs> yes, yes, man. Uh, that's it, man. That's my part of the question, dude. Now you got the big part. Man. You can tell him how to set it up. Yeah, man. It. I like this though. He's got one four by four tent, one four by eight tent. All right, so what else we got? We got an air cooled hood, dolly. We just one light. Is that what we got there? Yeah. So just look at this okay. as two. Two. Here, I'll tell him real quick. Okay. Check your. You were getting a little quiet there, so make sure you check your mic there. But his four by eight tent is going to be his bloom tent. Uh-huh. Four by four tent would be a veg tent. Common setup. Um, he's got that thousand watt, which I agree with Carmacana. Um, he's like, man, if you can, um, he said go to like th- two or three three fifteen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with another good split for a thousand watt. Like I'd rather run two six hundreds than one one thousand, or probably three three fifteen. Or like, look at that um, beast, man! Like that that six hundred. I didn't realize they weren't that expensive. The Spectrum King uh, six hundred. Man, they, they're not they're not that expensive, man. I mean, look at uh, grabbing a couple of those or one of those maybe and see if you can get a 400 or something. But I, I would think about if I'm building something in 2017, investing, I'm going to invest in LED, man. It's just more efficient, more bang for the buck. Going to last longer, less maintenance, less heat. Yeah, it is getting interesting with the way uh, if it will... I don't know. I, I could ask you real quick, Guru. Do you think LED, it just don't, we don't have to go deep with it, but we could talk about it more. The LED, it seems like, is going to almost eliminate like all the other lighting as it keeps advancing and becoming more affordable. Oh, I yeah. Think, I would think yeah. so. I mean, they're they're slowly, if you haven't noticed, they've, they're starting to even phase out uh, the spiral fluorescent bulbs now. Like you can still find them, but it's it's kind of how they went with incandescence, where they phase them out. They keep raising the standard of uh, like lumens per watt for just light bulbs and houses in general. Do you just and, think about if you've got a, to light? I just went to the stadium. CSU has a new stadium that's uh, that just opened. You've got to light that thing up, and they're like, "Hey, do you want the ones that are, you know, sixty-two percent efficient, or the ones that are seventy-two percent efficient?" You're like, "Well, that little ten percent difference." I, mean, I just made those numbers up, you know. But that ten percent difference, though, equates into tens of thousands of dollars a month savings in power. I mean, just thousands and thousands of dollars a month in power savings because you're just it costs a fortune to run a place like that. You know, yeah. that's, where, that's where I think it's like, fuck it, man. You know, we'll take the most efficient shit we can get. Any kind of commercial building. And Especially when you're going to have a big upfront cost to begin with. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, if yeah. You, it's, and I understand it's still not in some people's budget, but keep that in mind if you could do that. Um, your 4 by 8 tent, your bloom tent is where you should have your CO2 running. Um, I'd also put your bigger carbon filter in there. Your dual hose AC, I see it in a picture just sitting in a tent. 
basically there. Um, you got to I don't you got to make sure that's exhausted right. Of course, I wa- I would want that in the Bloom Ten as well. But that the ports that blows out the hot side, man, you got to get that out of that room right. altogether, right. Or out of the basement, out of the garage, um, and you're pretty good to go. But I, I would also get probably super high and take that remote control airplane off the wall I see in that picture as well and fly that mofo around for a little bit just just to make sure you know yeah man. anyway there's a cool <laughs> remote control airplane on the wall there nice. um and your t5s he's got two I think two eight bulb t5s in your four by four tent you could really max it with both of those but I would run one of them it just depends on how many plants you're trying to run just like in your four by eight tent we're saying you could run three three fifteens um, or you could run two or something and have room in there to work and not have your tent completely maxed out. Even though most good tents now have a lot of access windows typically right. on different panels, so you can open it all up and work. But uh, otherwise, man, you got all the equipment you need to, to kick some butt other than that. Uh, I shouldn't say other than that. I was going to rip on the 1,000-watt HPS. They are they are workhorses. If you got it, you can keep getting bulbs, but it does add up over time when you look at your electricity and bulb replacement costs. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way and say that you should really invest in something different with, with the lights. Invest in your lights, man. You've got a, what could be a really productive setup here. I mean, in a 4 by 8 tent, if you go and get, you know, I'm trying to think, how many, what do you think you would need if you used the uh, 600 Spectrum Kings? Two of them? What would you get away with? Two? Four by four, yeah, he could use two, Although, two. I mean, it's not a bad choice, but I just don't like. You got to make sure you got that distance on canopy. You got an eight foot ceiling. You could pull it off. Just you got to be on top. You know, you want right. to have a two feet to work with between at least. Man, you can't hang those. the spectrum. King. Can you cut those things outside the tent? Wouldn't that be cool if you cut them out? You know, they got that little totally circle. Could. Just cut that'd them an awesome. eight inch circle and just fucking pop it right through the top of the tent. Yeah, that'd be cool be sweet. as fuck. But I am. But. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just thinking, and I wonder, man, because then the heat sink would be outside the tent. Might help you a lot with heat, no? Yeah, depending on the time of the year, though. I need my heat, man. That's one thing with this garden in the wintertime. I need my heat. Right. I need more heat. I got to run a little heater sometimes if it gets cold enough. Right. I just but. think invest in the lighting is the super exciting part of, of growing. It's, it's where there's been tons and tons of developments. Um, I mean, there's been other developments, too, strains and shit, definitely. But, uh, Man, lighting is really impressive. So if you can invest, if you would spend another thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks, and and really put some some solid lighting, LED lighting in there, I think it would save you on you know make that air conditioner work a lot less. And oh yeah, it's another thing you got to add in the equation. Yeah, there's quite a few things. Yeah, and it would bring different you power just, tier potentially. Or yeah, yeah, it would bring you the most light. And I got I put in there you know quality light, which is going to give you quality you know, you know stacked bud growth. Um, yeah, I, I see a CO2 tank there, which means the more light you give it, the more CO, you know you can give it some CO2, and it can take advantage of all that a- additional energy. I just think you're on the cusp of, of having something really awesome here that that you could produce. Think about it: if you've got the four by four tent going, and that's your veg tent, you keep a couple mothers in there, or a mother in there, and uh, a few five gallon plants. In a four by four, you could probably keep five or six five gallon plants if they're small, right? Wedge them right next to each other. Go. Keep on trimming them back, and just grow a big, you know, big bush. In veg, no. Back in the day, you reminded me. Sorry, the uh, as far as having the budget to grow, that you said some, you might have knew some people that had their first grower somewhere, right. like they just jacked a light from a car dealership or something, Maybe. like an old. 400 watt HID or something and you just talked about CSU's new stadium and all their lighting I'm like there is so much new LED out there I bet you we're going to start to see people jacking <laughs> LED lights like from displays for growth full on uh-huh. anyway it's their fault for anyway them let's move on I do agree 
focus on that lighting if you can save up, man, because it is uh, it is important. Yeah, I just think uh, with the lighting and the CO two and the two tents that you have there, because think about it, you could do a, a you know cycles. Say, say that you had four uh, nice decent sized five gallon plants going into your four by eight tent every 30, 35 days, you know whatever you know however, whatever your strain is, but every eight every four to five weeks, and every four to five weeks you're pulling four plants out of there. That's a reduction system that would pay for that light. And pay for you know yeah. pay for your improvements max out your credit card man okay <laughs> <laughs> that's feel a, good about it because you're getting miles yeah that's my advice <laughs> they've All got right. you dude they've got you i'm moving on to grow room setup yes sir looks like this is van ripster in the picture almost from the back i don't know if you got it up this guy doing a little work on his uh on his wall here Let's see what we got man could be anyway could be it's just a, a bald guy, so I'm being some stereotype. We like to say a guy with a shaved head. Okay, okay fair enough. This is from Kokini. Kokini. He said Kokini. I'm going to Moe's. So, <laughs> what is that, a beer? Yeah, it's a good Canadian. It's a good Canadian beer. Okay. Oh, hey, guys. Love the show. I've managed to convince the wife that the 4x4 tent is too small. Nice. Good work. And got permission to build a dedicated area in our basement. Now the wheels just start turning, yes. right? Yes. Oh, I have an 8 by 15 area to work with. Dude, you're loving it now. That's like triple the real estate um, and w- with bare concrete floors. And I'm having trouble deciding on what to use on my ceiling and walls. Uh, panda plastic reflective foam insulation or drywall and paint. What would you all recommend? Thanks for putting the show and keep up the good work. P.S. Any idea when we'll be able to get recharge in Canada? Hey, I made Hear a phone call. So much. I made inquiries today how to do that correctly. Yeah, nice. I am trying. Hear about it so much and can't find it here. I'm dying to try it. Cool, man. I love it. I appreciate the heck out of it. And yeah, it's, there's a whole, I have to hire an international agency that specializes only in that stuff. But I'm going to do it, man. So, hell yeah. I appreciate yep. that. We got listeners all over the world. You got to do it in New Zealand next because I want to go to New Zealand and hang out. <laughs> there you go, man. You're gonna be my New Zealand rep. I like that. Anyway, uh, that's awesome, man. There's a lot of debate there. Some people, I if I have a concrete floor, right? I've seen people paint it. They get fancy. They'll do the garage paint. You know, the, like the shiny, durable paint or whatever. I leave the floor alone. If I have a concrete floor. That floor is usually so shaded by everything. I'm not trying to reflect light back off it. I don't mind painting it white. If I'm in there painting it anywhere, anyway, it just keeps me from having to cover the floor. (laughs) Or why not just white poly the entire room? I like the idea of getting some insulation in there. And I use, you can go buy, at least in America, it's under, I think it's about 22 bucks they're up to now. But a four four by eight, you know, four foot by eight foot by two inches thick piece of foam you can go buy these sheets of foam at home depot um i would take though you know it's just really easy you don't have to pay the drywaller it has a nice insulation factor you can wipe them off or uh or, or wash them off totally waterproof yeah, so that's the silver silver board like that the, I use those room, are right? halves the ones that have the silver on one side and the and the uh, you know the white uh, plasticky kind of other side those are only a half inch thick but right next to those they have two inch thick and they're just pure pieces of foam they don't have any pa- any paper on them or anything like that um, those are pretty interesting and you can paint those and whatnot but uh, I like those because it's four times you know it's, it's, it's four times the insulation factor of a half inch thick piece of foam board 
But check this out too, man. If you're an 8x15, he just doubled like he was in a 4x4 before. If you're hanging like some lights um, down the middle of the room, maybe you don't care. You're one of those people. I've seen cool rooms set up where they just wanted a lot of room to walk around sure. and enjoy their garden. Yeah. Um, so if your plants are going down a center row or let's say three three feet or more or something away, it's not ultra important, man. Like that light's not going to – And I'm not a lighting dude like that, but if I had like a bare concrete wall – and my plant's like three and a half feet away from it or something, I might not do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, but I why mean, not put the lights to one side and get taken advantage of Yeah, I of agree. So they can benefit from that side light hitting yep, the wall. Put flat white paint on there, and you got, you know, now you, you know, if you have the two inches of insulation, you got two inches of insulation, you got flat white paint, and uh, you've got a nice reflective Yeah, dude, if I had material. concrete walls, I'd be doing flat white paint on them. And then uh, the floor, if you paint the floor white, all you do is notice how freaking dirty it is all the time. So but it's like easy that. to just paint it again. <laughs> Every harvest, you can take everything out and paint the floor again. The reflective white floor, when you're in a room with a reflective white floor, it's bright as fuck, man. And reflective white walls, and you're kind of kind of close to the corners there, it's bright, man. And you want it bright as fuck. Well, I'll give one more tip. If, a four, if, if you are stealth and you need this to be as quiet as possible and you know how to frame and drywall and shit, even though you're going to lose a little height, I've seen people put up the, uh, the insulation and the framing on the ceiling of the grow room because it really quiets what's going on from the upstairs areas. You know, like if you entertain in your living room, then all of a sudden your 8-inch max turns on that's mounted oh, on the like floor. Oh, like in the attic oh. you're saying? Go up to the attic? And- no, no, no. The, the, the actual ceiling of... Your grow room, okay, of your I basement you. grow room. On the inside, yeah. Putting those two-inch yeah, foam boards up there might be Put insulation and framing. Yeah. Oh, that'd be easy, too. Foam boards would be a little easier. Yep. Just to, yeah, cut the inch foam boards to, to size and, it and just put them up. It was super easy, it's... man. I would take them because there's no weight on them. I mean, this probably has the right use a weight. razor blade. But I would just find the stud, you know, locate where the stud was, and then just find, like, I think, like, three-inch wood screws or something like that. They'd go through... Uh, it may need three and a half, but you get some long wood screws and you just take a big washer on the end and you just screw them. Yeah, in. what are they called? Car washers, I think, maybe? <laughs> I don't think they're called car washers. I think that's I a completely I'm different I'm getting technical. Thing, I might man. be right. I had to buy a bunch of those. <laughs> anyway. You like All that, I huh? can think of is that movie, man. Car Wash came on a couple days ago. I recorded it, man. You know that one? Best movie in 1977, man. Car Wash, man. They have a song, I know, I that's think. That's where it came from, man. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> All right. What do we so? Got? Let us know what you do there, uh, Kokanee, and uh, I wonder what part of Canada you're in up there. Let us know. Love to come hang out and drink some Kokanee with a big, you know, what's the name of the beer? Quick, quick uh, question that the uh, strange brew brew. Elsnor. What was Elsnor? It was the Elsnor Brewery, man. And but and the beer was called Elsnor. Oh man, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Can you handle the grow talk, man? Come on, let's do it. Yes, I can. We got first grow ever. Yes. So, guys, this is dudegrows.com. We love your grow questions. Hook them up. Just log in, create a grow question. We try to get all of them up on the show. This is Bob Johnson. All right. Hey, dudes, just want to say I'm a fan of the podcast. I've listened to you guys for a while now, and it makes my days more fun and positive. So thank you for that. Hell yes. (laughs) I purchased 60-day Lemon Auto. And Lemon Auto Seeds from DNA Genetics, my first grow, um, as well as Brothers Grimm Apollo Double X. <laughs> Apollo 20. Going, okay, that's Roman numeral. Yes, man. Thank I was you. a fan of the space program back in the day, so that's the only reason I know Roman numerals in all fairness. <laughs> He's growing 
under an advanced spectrum 300 watt led vivo sun and a four by two by six tent uh-huh. okay the question is about nutrients what are some suggestions for auto since i'm growing in a tent in a basement i have limited access to a window and i can run for i can't i can run fresh air from okay from there is there any alternative to this so let's say here he goes i have limited access to window i can run fresh air from um no you you're gonna want to use if you're gonna want a fresh air i can't just sit in the what do you think yeah i mean you could exhaust though you could just exhaust take a can fan um and then just exhaust out of a can fan filter combination out the window You'd be exhausting clean air out the window and sucking new air from the house, you know, into the room. I mean, it depends on what's going on in the basement, right? Like I have my T five eight bulbs in my basement that I'm edging and all that. I don't do any air exchange or or anything. I mean, the CO two is going to get stale in there, though. There's it's an ambient CO two stays active with the family in the house or whatever the furnace down there, all that. It doesn't just get exhausted and gone. So it kind of depends on your setup down there. You got a leaky furnace down there, man. Yes, I, I got natural 800. <laughs> no, I got 2200 ppm's ambient in my house. Nice. Um, but yeah, the uh, kicking it with down there, you should be fine. But it's nice to have an air exchange. He says he has a purifier and a dehumidifier as well, an air purifier. I'm sure. not sure what the air purifier is, if you mean like just an air cleaner. Um, but some basements you do fine without doing much air exchange. Um, depending, you'd be surprised furnace pilot lights and stuff can make a decent difference, you know, sometimes depending on the size of the basement. So, uh, but regardless, he goes, as far as his feed, he's asking how to feed some suggestions for autos. I would very lightly, man. Autos don't need very much at all. Um, you could just use recharge and then maybe I think when I did ran my auto, I fed it. I don't know four or five times, maybe once every other week or something like that, once every 10 days. So, yeah, they don't need a lot. So, I mean, why? That's so I, I don't have any specific nutrients I think for you. Depend. I just don't think it's that, you know, that uh, I would just use, you know, whatever we talk about, normal nutrients, you know, normal quality nutrients, canna, um, uh, new millennium, th- those kind of guys. Well, I never forget something like that. Depends on what you plant in as well. You know, if you plant in a rich soil or make an enriched soil. Sure, there you go. You're trying to use liquid with it. I want to get a breeder on, man. We, um, yeah, we'll, we'll plan on getting a breeder on here uh, that does autos because I want to know why exactly. You know, we're always saying autos are light feeders, right? I know you go in lighter. I'm assuming that they're. Because, well, they're not they're not growing in veg. You don't have that big veg. You know, they're growing a little bit in veg and then starting to flower within, I don't know, a few weeks. So, yeah, you're not, for one, going to have an as aggressive big plant probably as well, typically with autos. Yep. You know, well, this is my area I have to get into. I got to get me some auto seeds. Yeah. Who should recommend one time? You knew somebody off the top of your head. That's is a Festo? Is that one? Is, is that it? the breeder name? I believe so. Okay. Somebody, somebody just mentioned to me. I know very little about that shit either, man. There was yeah. a strain that I thought you said, yeah, it was supposed to be good. But then another breeder agreed. Anyway, we'll get into it. Deal. Let us know how that auto goes there, Bob Johnson. All right. Two more Grow Talk questions here. Hang in yes, there. Sir. Laughing Buta. First time grower from Mass. What's up, man? He's got an LED and a smaller tent kicking. Yes, sir. He is also growing autos um, in some ocean forests. He's feeding them lightly, doing it right, it sounds like. Um, feeding, he started at one eighth strength, kicked it up quarter strength, good feeding schedule. And then he's, his question though, on oh, this. actually he's got a series of questions. I like this, man. He's got a whole, this is a question segment we're in here, man. So the question, well, one thing he said he neglected was pen, preventative pest control. Okay. So he goes on day 27, he started hooking, he thought he saw some mites. So he purchased some egg cell 16. That's a soluble silica. That is a silica, but that's, that's a silica powder, but that's not going to do anything for mites though. And neem. 
And uh. then he started spraying them. On day 33, just in case, he said. So I don't think that's too far in. He goes, are spider mites the only type of mites the soil might carry? I guess he's wondering, like, would they would they be in the ocean forest when he bought it? Potentially? Not really. I'm trying to think of an analogy for Neem. Is it like putting on a condom after you've got AIDS, man? You know? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> too much, man. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, if, you, if you've got spider mites already, Neem ain't going to do shit for you, man. That's you, not you already true. Got that's it. not true. What do you mean, man? Neem is, a, is something where it's just like... They, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, what is it? An anti feed? It ain't going to do shit for spider. It contains like a hundred and nine different active compounds, but it's definitely, if if, if you have an, like an active infection that you're seeing of spider mites. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. It's not, it's not what's going to save Listeners. How many of y'all out there have beat your spider mite infestation with neem? That's all whoa, whoa, with only me. I wasn't saying it's going to do. I'm that. just, I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying anybody. I'm just asking people chime in. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, but our spider mites the only type of mite the soil soil doesn't mite carry. carry mites, right? Mites so, are usually introduced. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm tra- yeah. No good compost or worm castings is going to carry lots of beneficial mites. Oh, yeah, little tiny ones. Yeah, micro arthropods, those type of things. Man, they're all just part of the soil. Spider Food mites web. are coming in from outside, from your buddy's house, from an infected clone, from typically not from soil or growing media or russet mites too. Let's not forget yeah. those guys, man. All right, so he goes, how far into flower can I spray them with the egg cell 16 neem combo? So into flower, like when you're, if you're gaze, you're, you flipped your lights, and if I had a problem, I'd go like up to almost a month in, almost. Spraying neem, that stinky-ass neem. Mm, it ain't going to work anyway. Until what flowers bother, start to set. I don't know. My, my, it's not the right solution, man. It's not the right well, solution. Egg well, cell and uh, just neem isn't the right solution, if, especially if you're going into flowering. Um. I would get predators. I'd get beneficial predators is what I would get, man, because you got to worry about. I'd probably hit them with some type of pyrethrum, too. To knock them down first? Knock, knock them down and then release the predators. Oh, so you like pyrethrum on your flowers now, huh? If we're going to go there. I don't think he's at that point in flowering yet, though, is he? Yeah, he's, almost, he's just asking. He's in veg, and he's just asking how far into flower could he spray this? Yeah, you got to knock them down first. You don't want to put uh, you know, beneficials out when they're just completely out. It's know, just when, starting yourself on an uphill battle. When yeah, you, can make you know, it if there's hundreds even playing field. But you put the beneficials out after you knock them down with a, you know, something that doesn't have any kind of residual poison in it. Yeah. Like a pyrethrum. And, and then you introduce them out. So, yeah, I would think about, you know, hanging out with like Shane from Natural Enemies or something like that. Who's the other one? We like Arbico. People seem Arbico to be happy organics. with them. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe even something as simple as ladybugs might help you. Here's, and I don't disagree with if you're fully a month in, sometimes, yeah, sprain, straight neem. The one thing here, he said he thinks he has mites. We've got to make sure we identify what the problem is, if there's a problem. Then you look at having his three, this picture, this picture of three little autos. Right. That's until, unless I talk to somebody at one of these places, that's where the beneficials become a financial issue because they're like, cool, we're going to send you 34 sachets. Right. Oh, next, uh, right. next night delivery. And that gets, that gets tricky. There are a lot of... Uh, sprays out there that i shouldn't say a lot because there's a lot of bullshit too but there are sprays that you can spray up to a month in our fuller with some of these botanical oils and stuff as well i'm worried about the oils though man don't you think the oil spraying an oil botanical oil on a bud is going to affect the flavor as uh, long as you spray it early enough before the buds like actually set right yeah. it's not going to be a problem because right. the buds aren't even there yet or what's there is going to grow exponentially but. agreed Later on in flower, no, you wouldn't yeah. be spraying with any type of horticultural oil. Hell or no, soap. man. That's just there's residual going to stay on there. 
Well, he has, uh, of course, has a hey, Scott is anything from your grow ever made you itchy. And I guess he's thinking bothered. I don't know if he means literally itchy, like poison ivy got going in there. I don't know if I have had, ever had anything make me itchy. No, no way. Uh, like, like irked out or whatever. No, like actually itchy, like oh. insulation or something like that. Fiberglass. Okay. I guess he's brushing up against something. I wasn't sure if he meant like bothered. I, I or worst is the hydrogen peroxide. What's the matter with that, man? Oh, oh, it'll have you ever burn gotten you. that on you? Yeah, it'll burn you, man. And your That's clothes will be ruined. <laughs> Get the baking soda out, man. No, the vinegar for that. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm thinking a fight club. <laughs> Lastly, says, critique my grow. How are my ladies looking? Your autos are looking great. They have huge fat leaves on some of them. Yeah, I they might, look good, man. I might think about trimming some of those leaves up just a little because when you're applying sprays, other than that, in these pictures, I don't see any type of, I mean, they're taking a little far out, but sure. any type of bug damage or that is true, anything. Though. That's a good point, dude. The more leaf surface you have, the more area it is for bugs to hide and hang out on. So think about maybe trimming it up a tiny bit. Not a ton, though. But since you already have that neem, no harm using it every 10 days or so up until a couple weeks into bloom because that's when your flowers sometimes set more than others. And yeah, up to a couple weeks, people are going to be like saying you're talking everywhere up to a month. I go as a direct and with uh, up to a, up to a month if I wanted to. All right. And as a direct and it's just a neem extract. It's a lot cleaner than yep. neem for sure. Yep. This is an official Wake and Bake America. It's it's Grow Talk with Dude and Guru. <laughs> All right, let's see here. We got pot. This one's kind of, you got to get your your thinking hat on a little bit here. Um, This is pot size questions by Super Lemonade 420. 420. So he goes, basically, Super Lemonade is uh, upgrading a 10 size, keeping another 10 size, getting another light, I believe, and then also trying to figure out how much he can fit in there in what size containers. He goes, hey, what's up, dude? Scotty Guru and the crew. Now that my last grow is curing away, my tent is all cleaned up, and I'm getting ready for a new grow. He goes, to date, he's only grown in a 4x4 tent with a 600-watt metal halide or HPS. That's your uh, very just conventional HID lighting, typically HPS for flower, metal halide for uh, veg. And he goes, he usually does four or five plants in what he thinks were about five-gallon pots. But I'm in Canada, so they could be some crazy liter measurements. (laughs) Because they're 12-inch in diameter by 11th in height, so you guys can figure it out. Also, I grow in Canna Coco. I feel like we need the little ching button on here. Uh, so, he's got a second grow tent on the way. So he's going to have his four by four, and basically it's a one meter by one meter. Like we're just going to call it a three by three for yeah. us patriots down here. So it basically, so now he's going to have a four by four and a three by three. He's picking up a dual three fifteen light from Sun Spectra. So that means it's it's got two bulbs in one hood, right? Yeah, the, and they'll use the two bulbs where one's the little bit cooler light and then the other's a warmer light. So you mm. get a nice blended spectrum from them. Ultimate spectrum. All right. Do you think that's good? I mean, he's going to he's going to try and put that dual 315 in the 4x4. Four four. So I'd, 630 I'd, I'd rather have that in there than the 600 personally. For sure. You're just, I mean, and I'm not, I'm, if you listen back to all the shows, I'm not like Scotty is a, a full real estate maximizer all the time, sometimes like a little room, but tents, I always I forget, depending on your access panels, you can usually unzip two sides and totally reach in and get into your old canopy and whatever. It's not like you're trying to get in your tent and have an aisle or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so definitely. I'll take that because we give what, one 315, a three by three, two 315s, your max and a four by four wall to wall. Yeah. Um. So he goes, 
And then he's going to do, let's see here, he's going to move, uh, can I get uh, the 600 watt, I believe, over to the 3x3. Three three. And he says he can get fabric pots in three different sizes, 5 gals, 7 gals, or 10 gals. And it, they're all the same cost. So he's trying to figure out maximum, like what he can fit in there. So he goes, let's see here. Um, he can fit six 10 gallons in his 3x3 three three tent yep. and nine in his 4x4. Four four. And he's running a scrog style grow in the three by three. And then he's going to experiment with mainlining in the four by four. To me, mainlining, that's just trying to get more solid tops, right? I believe that's what uh, Moby Dill says he does. Kind of. Or, well, I, I guess the, like the traditional mainline is where a plant from seed, cause it's really hard to get the, your nodes to be symmetrical on a, a clone, but from seed, you top it like the third node, take each one of those low stress chain them out. And then you make pretty much a manifold. To where oh, yeah. every, this is every where top is going to end up having the same distance to the root zone. So hormonally, it'll be a really balanced plant and just naturally kind of grow with an even canopy. There are some crazy pictures of just intricate mainlining, like where it's just like looks like a, I don't know, the menorah candles or something just coming. Everything's perfect. I don't even know if that's the right uh, terminology. Anything over eight are, tops looks like a piece of art, legitimately. Yeah, it's. And when they're all even like that with the amount of stem and stuff. But, hey, I'm down. What I'm thinking, he goes, what he wants to know, do you think, and he says maybe three-foot-tall plants, that this will get overcrowded? Like his 10-gal containers, fabric containers too big in a 3 by 3 or 4 by 4 I mean, what do you mm-hmm. think? Is it, Or is it all just relevant to how you're growing, right? Is it relevant to how you're growing and then the height of the tent? Does he say anywhere? Uh, I'm going to assume there's Let's six just say it's tents? typical tent. I mean, let's say it's uh, even if it's seven foot. I mean, I'm trying to remember if there's a standard. Um, I think it's over six foot typically. I remember most tents I've been in. I'm six foot one. There's a, it's about seven foot. Let's say it's seven foot tent. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, hmm. that's six plants in ten gallon containers in a three by three tent. I'm all for more soil, man. Well, yeah, like more, he was more roots, more fruits, always. And he says he's vegging typically for around two months, maybe even 10 weeks. So he vegs maybe even for two and a half months. Um, even if he shorted his veg time and it was only two months and then he's going to flower, don't you think that that's going to be – it's not like he's going to have too much soil in there. No. Like, I, oh, I mean, he, he'll definitely fill the pots with roots. It's, that's not going to be an issue. That's just one thing he was worried about is if he was in 10 gals, is that overkill? Like, will he have too much? Like, will he not get filled out enough? And I said, man, I mean – I'd rather have more volume and soil for sure, so you're not chasing after water too much. The roots got room to spread out. More roots, more fruits, but you're going to have to be on top of that main lining and like you know you were hinting at with the tent height, controlling basically knowing when to go to flower, know how much stretch you got, etc. Yeah, because um, last thing you want is to just end up with a the plant stretching up into the light. Yeah, and he says to date he's only done seeds and. Uh, Always around, okay, and then he goes, He's. I've not been able to surpass a pound on my 600. I would like to be able to still pull a pound, but in my smaller 3x3 tent with a 600, is this achievable? I think it's totally achievable, man. Like when we did, um, you know, the Captain, great grower. Uh, if you guys haven't visited that, I always say this on dudegrows.com under growing and then go to growers, go to the Captain's articles. He has an article actually called How to Grow, I forgot, I think it's at least over a pound or a pound and a half with the 600-watt Hortolux HPS. And um, I did it myself with the Lemon G. I think I came out at 21 ounces or something. Fuck yeah. Obviously variables here, right? Genetics, um, et cetera, but you totally can. I mean, the only reason you wouldn't be 
there's a lot of parameters. The environment's clutch, but I mean, you should be able to pull off over a pound. He's going to have six plants. He said he could fit in that three by three in the 10 gals. So keep it really trimmed up though. Right. That's when he says worried about getting overcrowded. Um, you're gonna have to be yeah like, that on that's, top of your trim. That's gonna be what would make me want to not have as many plants as there. It's just how crowded it could potentially get. This is true because well, I mean, depending on how trimmed up you go, if he's gonna go for more of the main stocks. When I did it, I was under a 600 watt, and my room is a little different. It's about three feet wide, but about six six a six and a half seven foot long, kind of like a walk-in closet. Yeah. Um. Not even that big, but reg- I had two plants, and those were both in, uh, I think, seven gals. So, and it, yeah, it just depends on, on a lot of factors there. But you can do it if you keep them trimmed up well and not have too many tops scrogged out, etc. So let's see. Oh, keeping that in mind, he says under 600 watt, I'm changing my bulb on HID lighting every six months. That's how to have prime time you know, action as far as your lighting goes. Some people forget about that shit. And it's well, yeah, like and it, on the, if you don't change it, it's not just a loss in how much light you're getting. It's a loss in spectrum too. And that's the main part that you're losing. Good point. Yeah. Lumens are for humans, bro. <laughs> Playing C Paul.